0: Live from the Fremont Theater in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's special St. Patrick's Day show, Luck of the Irish. May the narrative be with you. So I get my Irishness from my mom. Her name was Lois O'Neill. And while I didn't get her freckles, auburn hair, or green eyes, she definitely gave me a real sense of being Irish. My mom was one of five children born to my grandparents, Hazel and Francis O'Neill. And at last count, I was one or am one of 70 some descendants from this Irish American Catholic family. That all started when my great-great-grandfather, Patrick O'Neill, emigrated from Ireland, and he landed on Ellis Island on April 10th, 1849. My mom, she was very, very proud of her Irish heritage, and she had so many different qualities and traits that I really attribute, you know, to being Irish. She had a real dedication and love of tradition and her family. She had an unbelievable work ethic, and she had this like optimistic aura. My mom could stare adversity right in the eye, and wink, and smile, and almost do an Irish jig. My mom, maybe I saw her melancholy once or twice, But for the most part, she wore rose-colored, maybe they were green-colored glasses. Her pint of beer was always half full. It was never half empty. And she gave all of these characteristics to each of her seven children. St. Patrick's Day, well, that was the day when, you know, We wouldn't put our freak flag out, but it was our Irish pride flag out. Our house would be decorated like something that you'd see in that Disney movie, Darby O'Gill and the Little People. That was our house. Each of the seven children, we'd be dressed in Kelly Green. My mom had her Kiss Me, I'm Irish pin on. And in the evening, there'd be a big party, big dinner. And we'd, of course, have corned beef, cabbage, and my mom's signature dish, green mashed potatoes. (laughs) Growing up, she told us that that's what the leprechauns ate. (laughs) My mom, she always wanted to go to Ireland. But sadly, she never made that trip. So a few years ago, my two grown children and I Decided that we were going to go to Ireland in her honor. And so we did. And the big point of the trip, though, besides learning about our culture and the country that influenced the O'Neills was that we were going to find the town of Bally Nyan. That's where my family, that's where Patrick, emigrated from years and years before so we were road tripping across ireland and it was awesome and we were so excited i mean everything was fascinating to us you know the landscape the blue sky the castles the churches the museums the cobblestones the little villages We loved all of it, and as we drove, I kept thinking about mom, like she was right there in the car, and I was thinking about the rest of my Irish family, and it was absolutely perfect. But as we started to make our way towards Northern Ireland, which is where my family is from, I started to learn about a darker and sadder side of being Irish, something I had never learned about growing up. We were driving around the peninsula of Dingle, and it's rocky and rugged there. And we stopped at this little tiny uh, visitor center. And it was called the Famine House. And there was a cottage, and there were some outbuildings, and they were filled with memorabilia and firsthand accounts and photographs and stories of the Great Famine, the famine that started in 1845 and lasted for almost seven years. And it was actually, you know, just kind of gut wrenching to read these personal accounts. I mean, a potato blight that never ended. No crops. No money. You were thrown off your property. You, were th- you didn't have a home. You had no place to go. You had nothing to eat. At that time, more than a million Irish men, women, and children starved to death. It wasn't until I put those dates together that I realized that my great-grandfather had immigrated at the height of that great famine. That somehow he had managed to get passage to America, but he was the only one of his family that was able to escape. We got to Derry kind of you know, the heart of Northern Ireland. Some people call it Londonderry. Some people call it Derry. Depends on whether you support the crown or whether you support the republic. So we got there, and we got to our bed and breakfast. And our host very carefully inquired as to our trip and what we were doing and where we were from. And once he learned that we were American Irish Catholic, he gave us advice on where to visit in town and where not to visit in town. And a good rule of thumb, he said, was avoid the places that are flying the Union Jack. So we went and spent a few days touristing around Derry. And we learned about the oppression that my Irish Catholic relatives endured. They couldn't vote. They couldn't attend school. They couldn't own property. They couldn't even practice their religion. We walked along the bog side, which is a main thoroughfare through Derry on one side the protestants live on the other side the catholics live i have to tell you that you know years and years of this sectarian violence of the fighting that's gone on there it was palpable it is still there the along the bog side are these murals that commemorate the time actually pretty recently when Derry was occupied by the British soldiers and we visited the (laughs) Derry, the Free Derry, Free Derry Museum which is dedicated to the violence that happened in the late 60s including Bloody Sunday. In the evenings we would go to the Irish Catholic pubs and um, there is literally, in these pubs, shrines to the men who both led and were later executed for, um, for organizing the Easter uprising in 1916. And those pubs are still frequented by IRA sympathizers. But while we were there, once people knew that we were Yanks and we were there to find our family And the area where they'd come from, they were really, really helpful and they wanted to talk and they would order up more Guinness and the conversations would get really lively. But I remember asking this one young man, you know, it's like, is it really that violent here anymore? And he nodded and he said, oh, yeah. You know, just a week ago, they bombed the post office again. So the day arrived for us to find Bally Nyan, And that was like for us, like the Holy Grail, you know, of our journey. So we went to the genealogy department, the little office there in Derry, and we had with us the paperwork about Patrick and about his parents, Charles and Hannah O'Neill. And the gentleman there found a document from 1858, and it was a property census document. And it showed that at that time, there were two O'Neills still living in Valley This was about nine years after Patrick immigrated. There was a family there of 11 children. So the two people that were on this census were siblings. Francis and Bridget O'Neill, and they lived on 10 acres and had a little cottage. He said, yeah, these are more than likely your relatives and the only ones that survived. Well, we also learned that they were peasants, and they were poor, and they didn't know how to read or write because they made a mark for their signature just like Patrick did on his immigration and naturalization papers. They didn't own the farm, they rented it from a company in London. It had never dawned on me that my ancestors might be poor, they might be peasants, or they were illiterate. But then again, they were Irish Catholic. So they gave us GPS coordinates for this property where the O'Neills had farmed, and we set off to find it. About an hour outside of Derry, we found this big granite stone, and into it was carved baleinion. And a little further on, we were right at the GPS coordinates. So we got out of the car, and we were looking at the fields, and we saw this farmer across the street. So we walked over. We introduced ourselves, told our story, and said, do you know of any O'Neils that might still live here? Well, he said, you know, I don't know, because I just moved here to be with my son. But my son might know. And he's working at the farmer's co-op. But I'll take you there. Follow, just follow me. So off we went to the farmer's co-op. When we got there, we were introduced as the Yanks looking for their family farm to everyone in the store. And the son said, you know, I, I don't know of any O'Neills that live here anymore, but Maura might. And Maura lives with her mother. And her mother is in her 80s. If anybody knows anything, she will know. So I'll take you there. So we went to Maura's and we told our story again and we were invited in for tea and cookies. And we're talking to Maura and her mother and her mom says, you know, I remember a Charlie O'Neill, and he used to farm here, not far from here, in the 30s and the 40s. Maura, call Willie because Willie used to work for Charlie on the farm. (laughs) And so Maura calls Willie, and pretty soon up drives this Land Rover. We learned later that Willie had won the Land Rover in a lottery. (laughs) So Willie gets out of the car, and he's older gentleman, with this really shaggy white hair, And he has an accent that is so thick that if you aren't like reading his lips, you are not going to understand what he's saying. But he said, you know, I know exactly where Charlie O'Neill farmed, and I'll take you there. Get into the Land Rover. So off we go. A couple miles away, not, not any more than that, and we went down these muddy, you know, roads opening cattle gates. And Willie pulls up next to an old stone wooden gate and he stops the car and he says, this is where Charlie O'Neill farmed. And we get out and we go through the gate and we're walking on the fields and there's no crops there anymore. It's just rented out for grazing. Willie tells us about the things they used to grow, wheat, corn, flax, and of course, potatoes. He shows us where there were some stones lying, kind of overgrown with grass. And he said, that's where the cottage stood. And he starts telling us more stories about Charlie, Charlie O'Neill, who died at a pretty young age, from drink. He had a daughter, but she moved away a long time ago. And as far as Charlie knew, or as far as Willie knew, there weren't any O'Neills in Bally Nyan anymore. But if we wanted, he would take us to the parish church and cemetery, and we could see where they were buried. Charlie's, Charlie, Willie, I feel like Charlie's here, you know. Um, Willie is talking to my kids, and I'm going over to where the stone foundation on the cottage was, and, and I'm pretty overwhelmed at this point. I mean, I'm crying, and I'm thinking and feeling like this connection. of of being where my ancestors stood. I'm standing there. And this deep, deep realization of who I am and the Irishness that I inherited from my mom and my O'Neill family. You know? Patrick O'Neill, he immigrated when he was 21 years old. And he never saw or heard from his family again. He never did return to Ireland. But generations later, my two children and I went back to Bally Island and we put down our own Irish roots. And I can tell you that nothing compares with that comforting sweetness of returning home. Thanks.